Today on Locked On Hornets, we'll discuss Charlotte's decision to retain Jordan Surin camp, and then we'll start a new project. We'll take a look at every jersey number in Charlotte Hornets history and decide who wore it best. You can help us decide that as well. It's all today on Locked On Hornets. Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So we appreciate you for hopping on with us once again. We did not give you a show yesterday, but it's because we are deciding, you know what? Screw the breaks during the offseason. We're pretty much giving you daily content still. And it's mm -hmm. not anything that we've really done in the past. There's going to be a lot of other locked on hosts out there, which I don't blame them. We've done this before. They're going to be taking their three days a week that the podcast network calls for during the offseason because content, it's tough. We all have our magnifying glass. We're looking for it. We're trying to figure out what best suits you and us. But we're going to be giving you content pretty much every single day, whether we go into the past, like this project we're going to embark on soon, or whether we talk about the current Hornets, like we're about to in segment one with Jordan Cernkamp being the G League head coach again. But we are going to be bringing you daily content here on Lockdown Hornets and EveryHornetsBoxScore.com, where Doug has started a new Substack. Hey, Walker. Also, what's up? How you doing, Doug? You doing <laughs> all right? I am. Do you want me to? Great. Do, do you want me good. to bring? Do you want me to bring you in sooner? I'm trying to gas you up with your box score. <laughs> you do what you want. You're the captain of this ship. Now, when you come on Every Hornets Box Score, then I'm the captain now. I know, and I respect that. I sit in my passenger seat, and I shut up and let you drive. But this time, I'm driving, and I'm going to drive us all the way over to Jordan. Are you getting swiggy with it already? Is that how you're starting the show? <laughs> I need to use mention gas. I need a little yeah. gas. There you go. All right, let's talk about Jordan Camp here, Doug, because he's been, I don't know about a rising name within the organization, but he's been in the news lately because he was the head coach of the Summer League team. He did take over for Nick Friedman as the G League coach after Nick Friedman was kind of vaulted into a more important role, kind of the liaison from G League to NBA back and forth, developing a relationship with some of these young guys. And the Hornets did decide to retain Camp as the G League coach even next year. Mitch Kupchak released a statement saying we're happy to have him a part of the franchise once again what do you make of this move to retain the g league head coach and the summer league head coach once again yeah i think it's not anything that's going to excite hornets fans but it's certainly something that i think is important for the franchise to get right because they have a lot of young players on this team and not all of those young players are going to get an opportunity to play with the big boys in Charlotte. Some of them are going to have to put in time in Greensboro. So you want to make sure that the person heading up that operation, making the calls about who plays, who doesn't, and how they play, uh, is is somebody that can handle that. And obviously, the organization feels like Camp is that guy after watching him lead this team uh, in Summer League and, and, and watching him lead the Swarm uh, in the previous season as well. They still have confidence in Cern Camp, and I think that confidence is probably warranted. I, I thought, and you can agree or disagree with me here, Walker, but I thought the Hornets actually overperformed the roster, or and Cern Camp overperformed the roster that he was given uh, in Summer League. I mean, they, they were close uh, to coming out of there with a winning record. 
Uh, and, and that, I mean, they, <laughs> they won their first game in like two calendar years. Like, I mean, they, you know, they did some things this summer, they dusted it up in a way that surprised me. So I, I think on the whole, it's probably an okay move. It's ultimately going to be about player development and relationships anyway. It's exactly yeah. why we like Nick Friedman. It's not because he had this excellent G League record, but it's because of his development of a 50 pick in Jalen McDaniels. It's because of the development of maybe even a Devontae Graham who got to a second contract and eventually had value enough to get a first round pick in return via trade. It's the second rounders that ultimately make it and serve time in the G League. Doug, this is a team really in the James Borrego, Mitch Kupchak era that has taken advantage of the G League affiliate. The Greensboro Swarm has absolutely produced at least role players, guys that can come in and help on some type of level to help the Hornets win as many games as they have over the last few seasons. So they take this very seriously. You know, Mitch Kupchak. Borrego did when he was here, but also it kind of starts at the top with the basketball decisions there, Mitch Kupchak. So, yeah, I, I like this move. I think it's fine. And when I think of some of the video clips that have been released, when you hear him talk, he seems to be somebody that the players like. He seems to have developed those really nice relationships with the young guys. So all good uh, on my end. I, I like Jordan's turn camp coming back with the Charlotte Hornets. Well, and he also has to have a good relationship with Steve Clifford. Uh, they will be collaborating, uh, especially in integrating some of these younger players that may be bouncing back and forth, depending on injuries or opportunities between Greensboro and Charlotte. And it seems like from the interview uh, that Rod Boone did with Surencamp that Clifford and and he uh, see eye to eye on a lot of things and and have had a lot of meetings and 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 I think one of the more interesting things that Surencamp mentioned in that article in the Charlotte Observer was that he likes Clifford's clarity on things. Um, it was a, a choice of words. I think he mentioned Is that a it shot a couple of times. I'm not, I'm not saying it's a shot. I'm just saying he chose no, that I'm word asking. that that he's he feels like Steve Clifford is somebody mm -hmm. that's very clear about what he expects and what he wants. Um, and I think that could be a contrast uh, from the previous era. We know that this team is looking uh, to the head coach now for accountability. And you can't have accountability, Walker, without having some clarity about what you're going to be accountable for. Uh, or if you don't uh, have that clarity, then it's going to lead to conflict. Because it's like, hey, why are you holding me accountable? Why are you punishing me when you're not even you're not even being straight with me about what exactly it is you want me to do on a night to night basis? And Surin Campus said, hey, I appreciate that. I see that. And you know, Clifford's got a big staff. He's mentioned that he's got a, he's got a big old staff right now. A lot of a lot of people milling out around this organization. And so you don't want conflict to brew. Uh, and, and you want to try to integrate some of the, the new people that he's bringing in and some of the people that they're retaining on the player development side. So if, if he and Surencamp can develop a great relationship, that's going to be a, a, a good start. You bring up Steve Clifford, and it's why when you go to the Summer League, um, when you go to their, their session just this past outing, I wonder how much was affected by Steve Clifford because we know Steve is going to be clear. I don't think anybody is surprised who has any And he experience. was there. Yeah. He was there inside. Like he didn't just like pop in for a game and then go, all right, I'm going to go back and do some film study. He was like there every single day of summer league, giving interviews, watching the team closely, watching Surin camp closely. So that's the thing, Walker. Like if he, if he was there that whole time mm. and you know, Surin camp was doing things that, that would not warrant him being retained. then I think he wouldn't be retained because Clifford had a, a close eye on him. 
unless the Hornets wanted to retain, no matter what. Well, you know, <laughs> and and they want to pay him at the twenty fifth highest G League coach salary in the league. Maybe that's what happened with the Charlotte Hornets. Is, Based really? on is that a, is that a real is that a real stat? No, but that's just the rumor oh. that they get paid so low compared to oh, compared see. to to all the other NBA franchises. So maybe that happened, but. It's not like I'm mad about it. Jordan Sernkamp, the G League coach, once again, for the G uh, Greensboro Swarm, a part of the Charlotte Hornets franchise. Let's continue to talk about the Charlotte Hornets franchise, except go back in a time machine and take a look at some of these jersey numbers. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We start a new project that will be releasing maybe every other show, maybe a couple, three times a week during the offseason, exploring every jersey number that has been worn by a Hornets player with this franchise and decide who wore it best. A couple of rules we'll get to in the second segment. Stick around and we'll talk to you all about that new project. Bet Online is a proud partner with us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. It's your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments league reviews and news including this year's major league baseball second half of the regular season bet online is your continued source for all your sport wagering information including live betting esports even scores and betonline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores podcasts and news this season betonline.net is the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events including mma boxing and golf you can head to the website today use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action bet online where the game starts who wore it best Coming up next, Locked on Hornets. This is Locked on Hornets. We need Mitch Kupchak to throw a party like Sam Presti. Can he party like Presti and Russell Westbrook? <laughs> yeah, but who are you going to get to perform? Because remember, Nas. they got Nas. I, they did get Nas. Man, who is Mitch Kupchak getting to that Nelly. party to perform? Can we get Nelly? No. Can Master we get... P. <laughs> I hate you right now. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I can't assume uh, everyone is in the know about that Master P joke from the bump that we just aired. But Master P once donned a Hornets jersey, and we're about to talk about jersey numbers and who wore it best. Uh, do you recall the jersey number that Percy Miller wore for the Charlotte Hornets? Uh, because that's a jersey I've seen out and about before. Mm -hmm. People will wear it. Mm -hmm. 13? 15 15 and I looked close. I think Master P has to be the leader in the club I can't think of a single <laughs> yeah. player for the Hornets 15 that also yeah. wore number 14 that would be better but we'll see I mean we're going to go through all these oh, jersey numbers 14. we'll find out you said 14 is what he no, wore 15 15 oh okay gotcha 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 okay yes 15 <laughs> no that one's harder <laughs> well I thought you said 15 first I think you might have said 14 the second go around unless I misheard I mean, you I think I said 15 this is a good start all right We'll run it back. 15, it's going to be hard, though. Maybe Percy Miller will decide to give it to Master P. The most underrated part about that, though, by the way, that bump coming in is when uh, Nada screams no to your Nelly suggestion. It's something that doesn't get a lot of play, but he screams no when you mention Nelly. All right, Doug, you explain the rules here because this is something you kind of thought of, and then we workshop some ideas, but this is your baby. This is something you decided. You have a baby, and this one is another one that you came up with just yesterday, and we talked about it. So why don't you explain some of the rules? Yeah, this will. I think right now this will be the only other kind of baby that I will add to the family is a little baby segment, and this baby segment is called we'll take care Who it. Wore It 
best. We're going to be looking back over the next few weeks. We're going to put every jersey number in Hornets history under the microscope from number 98 to double zero. We're going to be asking the question, who wore it best? And Walker, I'm going to admit that a lot of these, you know, look, the Hornets franchise means a lot to us. But it's not a storied franchise in the same way that the Celtics or the Knicks. I mean, it hasn't been around as long, but also it hasn't featured uh, as many Hall of Fame players uh, as some of these other franchises. (laughs) So a lot of these jersey numbers are going to be pretty easy to figure out who wore it best. But there are a few that are debatable. And so when we get to those when you and I, either you and I disagree or we may feel like either we agree and but but maybe we see some level of disagreement among the fans we're going to be posting polls on YouTube so you can head over to youtube.com forward slash locked on hornets podcast subscribe and click the community tab to vote and when we get to those numbers we'll let you know uh, when we're putting a poll up so one thing before we get started too I, as we've talked about when we start the show when we do the cold open, we uh-huh. will mess up every once in a while. That happens. But then when we start, we usually don't go back and we don't doctor it up. Like what you get is all of the mistakes, all of the one time through run if we get it started right. But I did mess up in the cold open, just didn't say the word best right. Instead, I fumbled it and I said bust. Who wore it bust? Who wore it bust? Which- Absolutely. I'm so glad we did that because now when we get to the numbers where there's only one guy that wore that jersey number who isn't a very great basketball player by any measure, at least in the NBA, we can say he's who wore never owned a basketball. So we don't. <laughs> <laughs> so so we're going to ask who wore it bust in those situations and we'll get to those players uh, later on as I mean we got a lot of numbers to digest. So uh, a couple of yeah. a couple of other rules before we get started. Number 1, we when as you and I are discussing this, we can only take into account their time in Charlotte and also when we're discussing that particular jersey number only when they wore that jersey number. So if they swapped that, you know, like Lamella Ball, for example, uh, you know, when we're talking about him, when we get to number one, we can only talk about Lamella Ball's time, you know, and in the future, if we do this again, well, obviously that'll split and we can only talk about his time in it. All right. I'm sorry. Swap that. So, uh, you know, in his number two right. jersey. And then, you know, in the future, we can only talk about him in his number one. Which is, yeah, two is going to be, that's going to be interesting, man. We're, we're, you know, 96 numbers away from that. So we won't, we won't get to that yet. And the other thing is, you know, Master P, right? Like Kimball Walker, he might have to just try to win. Oh, that's who I was, you know, I forgot about Kimball Walker. You're right. Number 15. Yeah. But, uh, but he's well, we'll going to take home we'll the see. number one jersey because Master P already has number 15. But we'll, yeah, we'll get yeah, to we'll that see. later on. We'll, we'll do that. All right. Lead us off, Doug. Who do we have at number 98, I believe you said we'll start with? Uh, yeah, and I should mention, too, that if you are watching this on uh, YouTube, you can uh, watch along with us as we go through these numbers because I'm going to put them on the screen now. All right, so we'll start with number 98. Winner by default, Arnoldus <laughs> Kubica. Dun, 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 dun. 44 spots. By 44, 98 is the highest number ever worn by a Charlotte Hornet. And I believe, did Dennis Rodman wear 98? I know he wore a 90 number. I'll look it up. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, you look it up. But I'm okay. going to tell you about Arnaldus Kuboka, who is the the first winner of this whole project. He he wore it best, number 98. He was born in 98. Maybe that is the origin. I have to feel like that's the origin of the number, right? Um, but only played, uh, only played in two games uh, last <laughs> season. Two and a half minutes played. Uh, did get a field goal up, 
it did not it did not go in. Um, also got a foul in one of those games, uh, so he he averages point uh, five personal foul. So there you go. Who wore it best? Arnaldis Kulika. Yeah. Where yeah. is Arnaldis? He's not do, with do the we... team anymore. No, he's not with the team anymore. I believe he's back overseas. Do we have to go ahead and start with the who wore it bust here with Arnaldis as much as I like no, him? No, 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 no. no. Okay, no, well, be, that's fine. No, I don't because hate bust, to me, the word bust indicates that there were lofty expectations. There were no expectations when you, this was draft and stash. This was Euro. This was a kind of thing that you just cross your fingers and hope works out. And, and he, you know, he was a preseason hero. He was somebody that came in and like showed, grew, became a better player, especially. I, I mean, I remember him doing some fun things in summer league in that, in the last opportunity that he got, but you know, some players, they're just not, they don't quite have what it takes to get in the big leagues and they got to go play in Europe for a long time. I, I, I liked him. Honestly. I mean, they're a bust. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I no, I get that. I just didn't know if what we were doing. I don't know if you already on the attack, man. Look, if you play two games and throw up one shot, I I thought maybe that would call for a who wore it bus type of discussion. He was also the guy all sorts of Hornets fans would ask about um, going into a regular season. Hey, what happened to Arnold Kubica? You know what? Is he is he coming over at all? His back back play? of the mill yeah. carton game for sure. Because because mean, his rookie yeah. right, he his rookie season, he comes in in summer league, actually has a good game. I think scores I don't know double digits, but knocks down shots as a tall guy. People are like, yeah, oh, this is awesome. You know, maybe he can become something for the Hornets, but ends up not and. At least he's the well, best player he, ever. He immediately endeared himself when when they did bring him in because he like we found like photos of him wearing the Hornets starter jacket right. over in Lithuania. You know, as a, like as a as kid, a, as a, as well, like a five year old. Yeah. Well, when you're born in '98, you were a kid just a few mm-hmm. years ago. So yeah, just a, you know, a couple of years ago, he was wearing the starter <laughs> jacket, and so yeah, he's gonna you know he hit the nostalgia note. Unfortunately, didn't hit the good enough to make the team note and and now they've moved on and and I think there's a universe where the Hornets don't have multiple first round picks over a couple of years and you know they they have a good stable of young players that they really have to get to they had too many <laughs> I mean we haven't even really gotten a great yeah. look at Book Knight and Kai Jones you know against NBA level competition and so I think Kulbaka if I were to speculate I would say it was more of a like hey just not a lot of room for you here. Probably and no, now he goes to play yeah. in Greece. Probably one of those things where he's been in the organization, I guess, long enough. Because if you were yeah. to say, who would you rather have, Kubica, or would you rather have Brady Manic? You know, maybe you would go with Kubica. So, or you know, anybody uh, else. Manic also, I think Manic also went to go play overseas. So, he did. You know. Yeah, yeah, he's out of the organization immediately. So, anyways, all right, congratulations, Arnaldis. You win the best player to ever win. Well, we go from uh, number 98, where only one player wore 98, to number 55, where 10 players have worn the number 55 for the Charlotte Hornets. It's the first uh, double-digit jersey number, and you don't get to another one, I think, until the 20s. Yeah, number 21 has 12 players. So this is a deep roster of (laughs) number 55s. Are you ready for I got to just, I might use the whole rest of the segment just calling these out. This will definitely be the last one we do in this segment. All right, here we go. Stuart Gray, 1990. Steve Scheffler, 1991. David Wingett, 1993. Wingate or Wingett? I don't know. Um, I think Wingett, but I guess. Wingett, David Wingett. Derek Hood, 2000. By the way, we are counting Charlotte Bobcats, so get over it. (laughs) <laughs> uh, or or enjoy if you're if you're fond of going back into Bobcast nostalgia. Speaking of Bobcast nostalgia, 
uh, Jahidi White, Eric Williams, uh, 2007, Reggie Williams, 2012 mm. to 2013. This is a good Bobcats nostalgia for a lot of people. Yeah. Chris Douglas Roberts, CDR, 2014, wore the number 55. Roy Hibbert, 2017. JP Makura, the Arnaldus Kuboka before it was cool to be Kuboka, JP Makura at 2019, number 55. So a lot of names. This might be debatable, honestly. It could be. I so so my first thoughts are CDR mm-hmm. had one season where maybe there was a stretch within that season. He came up big to help the Bobcats in his only season, 13, 14, which was a playoff season. He played 49 games, started eight of them, averaged 20 minutes, had a 44% uh, field goal percentage on five attempts, 38, almost 39% from three averaged uh, almost seven points, an assist and two and a half. Decent numbers. Those are decent numbers. Yeah. I remember talking about him back in the day. I mean, you're talking about basically three attempts per game on close on 39% shooting from deep. Bench uh, range. CDR had a, a, a nice 49 game stretch for him. But the other guy, like, go ahead and look at David Wingett, Doug. I mean, that's okay. That's now we be can the only the, these are the rules here. We can only uh, look at 1993 uh, because apparently he switched his jersey number because he spent oh. three seasons in Charlotte from 1992 to 1995. This would be his uh, first season in Charlotte. Uh, 92 to 93, uh, when he averaged 6.1 points per game. Uh, uh, 72 games, started 55, averaged around the same number of minutes as CDR in that season, though he started more games, uh, 53% from the field, uh, 6.1. But Walker, can I, I have to throw some cold water onto this particular one, okay? Okay. Because okay. I've been okay. digging it. I've been I've been digging into Hornets history as part of every Hornets box score, and so I've been reading up on the early years of this team, including this 1992-93 season. And uh, this was something I didn't know, but uh, I was reading this book, Sharpening the Stinger, which was written by the late Rick Bennell, the beat writer for the Charlotte Observer, and apparently Wingate. Uh, didn't so he's he was played for the bullets went into free agency was expecting a big deal uh, but had uh, two previous charges of violence against women uh, on his record now he did not uh, serve any jail time I don't think he got a conviction for either of those charges uh, but Charlotte ends up signing him for the league minimum in 92 93 because of that and and the the organization took a big PR hit because they started the franchise as this like franchise that was just good old, you know, good old down South Bible belt kind of organization. We're going to bring in a bunch of good players, good people, even if they, you know, we're going to, you know, value good people over good players. And then they go and sign David Wingett who had these uh, two charges against him. And and a lot of other teams didn't go after him because of these charges. So he wasn't convicted, but obviously there was enough to scare people, scare organizations away. Uh, There was enough there, there. Um, so, you know, in light of what's going on with the organization right now, I don't feel like you know it what? would be good to award him anything. At you, this you, know, point. you know what? If, if the biggest consequence that he'll ever have to suffer is us not giving him the best ever Hornet to wear the number 55 for a season, that's okay with me. Yeah. CDR, yeah. congratulations. <laughs> you win the tiebreaker. But even the numbers, even the numbers kind of bear that out, Doug. Like, even if you just wanted to go based off of the basketball reference page, you could say CDR. 
PR, that little stretch, that one year that he had with the Bobcats, we can go ahead and give it to, I think he wore goggles as well, which is awesome. So it, well, let's just go ahead yeah, and give I mean, it to CD Goggles, automatic yeah. winner if you wear goggles. You know. Marvin yeah. Williams, that's going to that's gonna play in his favor. Although he's got that's some three pretty goggles. stiff goggles. Three <laughs> goggles. He's three goggles, but he's number two. So he's got some pretty stiff competition, if you know anything it's about the Charlotte Hornets. Tough. But, I, but I do on a serious note, like I bring this up because – I'm also reading this book by Steven Pinker called Rationality. And there's and and in this book, he brings up this idea of like is sometimes it's rational not to know things because when you don't know things, then you don't have to act upon those things. Um, but but sometimes it's good to know things. And and the fact that, you know, we we you know, I, I can go back and look at this and find the history about this, I think is important because it also helps you understand like how these things were treated, even though it was a PR hit for the team, it obviously wasn't a, a big enough PR hit for the team because, because you know, it, it, it was allowed uh, to happen. And so, you know, I just think we just have to understand how this stuff happened in the past and, and how sure. we deal with it in the future. No, absolutely. And it's okay not to know those things until you do. It's okay. Yeah. Like this happens all the time. And I think that's what people wrestle with in the current construct. Chauncey Billups is an excellent example of this, where people felt kind of ridiculous when they did not know about Chauncey Billups checkered past, if you will, quote unquote. But then we kind of felt, well, we didn't even know about it. I don't know if that excuses anything, but also it's, it's, it's okay not to know it. It also doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about well, once it. You once you know it, once know you know it, it you right. got to deal with it. Cause right. if you know and something and then you don't deal with it and you don't bring it up the, and, and this is, I think this has more to do with the coverage, you know, the media coverage of this kind of thing and, and professional sports is that in the past, there was a lot of knowing it and then dis, and then disregarding it or discarding it or hiding it or not mentioning 100%. it. And so, you know, I think part of, part of the obligation to protect, uh, to protect women and to, uh, make sure that this kind of stuff doesn't continue to happen into the future uh, with, with uh, the frequency that it did in the past. It, part of that is bringing it up. So okay. There you, there, there you go. All right. CDR wins it. By the way, another interesting note. It looks like Reggie Williams is the only player to wear this for more than one season. So he's the only guy that has longevity. Number. Yes. Roy Hibbert had a good like 10 game stretch at the beginning of his season here with the Hornets. And that was it. Had the Milwaukee Bucks game to start off that season. Um, those are the only other thoughts that I have on the number 55. So congratulations, CDR. You win the best player ever to wear 55 for the Charlotte Hornets slash Bobcats. All right. Let's stop there. We'll continue this journey on to number 54 in just a moment. Coming up next on the Lockdown Podcast. Just yet. Have a few more numbers to get to. We're not going to get to all of them today. Of course not. we got a lot to get through here throughout the history. But we will continue that journey to 54, 53, maybe fit in a few. Coming up next, Lockdown Hornets. Is Locked on Hornets. Then I clicked on M. Thomas. I'm like, who in the hell is M. Thomas? Matt Thomas is oh, his name. Oh, NBA legend, Matty Thomas. He, he, Matt he Thomas. Play at all. I'm pretty sure Matt Thomas served me at an Applebee's the other day. It's time for more of the Lock on Hornets podcast. Number 54, we go four players here. I guess 54 doesn't have the same ring to it as a 55, and I already see who I'm going to give this award to. <laughs> it's Kwame <dog>. Brown. Oh, <laughs> That's no. Right. <laughs> Number All right, let me read the names. Yeah. Let me read the names. Okay. Michael Ansley, 1992. Lee Nalon, Nails. Lee Nalon, 2001 to 2002. Kwame Brown, 2011. Jason Maxiel, 
2015. I remember uh, Jason Maxiel Don love so so teal and purple. If if you don't get anything else from this podcast, which I imagine you will a little bit, please go back and watch some YouTube highlights of Jason Maxiel during his days at Cincinnati for some thunderous slams. Jason Maxiel in the post just dunking on people was one of my favorite college players at that time. Was and he? then he had a couple like he had a couple of dunks in the NBA too that were pretty nasty. But that that guy with the Bearcats was awesome. For for that 15 team, was Maxiel kind of like a less fit Montrez Harrell? Like a less athletic I, but, like a less athletic <laughs> Montrez Harrell. I mean he like wasn't kinda, as, right? I don't think so. I don't All think right. we can give that to him, but that's okay. Like had some thunderous dunks. He was fun, but yeah, you, not tall by the way, either. Like I, if I remember correctly, I remember going into the locker room as an intern and being surprised about how short he was. Like this is the dude that was dunking on people like that. And he was like six, eight, you know, not, not the six eleven that he, you might think he is. But anyways, enough about Jason Maxiel. He's not going to win this award. Can't give it to Kwame Brown. Um, maybe can't give wore- him, can't give him who, who wore it bust either because Kwame yeah. Brown was not the Bobcats bust. He, he was, was he was the wizards bust. It was Michael Jordan's bust that he tried to, you know, recover, bringing him onto the Bobcats and it, it didn't work out, but it's not, it's not the Bobcats bust. So no. he didn't wore a bust. With apologies to Michael Ansley, too. One, I don't know who you are, but also you don't win this award as well. Because <laughs> hold on, hold on. Yeah. I know we can't do him yeah. like that. Michael Antonio Ansley was a small forward, 6'7", 225, born in 67 in Birmingham, Alabama. He was drafted by the Orlando Magic in the second round. Finished right. his career with the Charlotte Hornets. Two games two played, games six and a half ever. minutes. <laughs> three points. Three points and uh, average three points in two games. Not bad. Okay. Yeah, Coming in. 91-92. Yeah, all right. Had a, had a couple of years with Orlando first to start his career. But Doug, the winner of this award has to go with somebody we just talked about in the Every Hornets Box Score episode nice that we released a few episodes a while back. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's the most, yes, underappreciated Hornet wow. of all time. Yep. Wow. I said it then. I mean it. It has to go to Mr. Lee, nothing but Nalon. 2001 to 2002. Really, the the Hornets were the only team that he contributed for. And I've already done this shtick. Go back to everyhornetsboxscore.com and check it out. But he comes to the Hornets in his second year in the league, I believe, and then domin not dominates that's a little that's a little extreme but it lee nalon has very a real extreme yeah, it was an, well he dominated overseas and then he comes to the hornets but then also plays really well like his second or third year in the league doesn't do anything else with the other nba teams he plays for then he goes back to new orleans which yes isn't the charlotte hornets but goes back to new orleans and then is awesome again for them so that weird just that franchise but yeah lee nalon has to take this home yeah, love nails. Uh, it was a big part of that oh, late, late, early Hornets, late, early Hornets success in 2001 and 2002. Honestly, like if you look back at that 2002 playoff run, this was a Hornets team that knew they were moving. Nobody was going to those games. There wasn't a lot of excitement around the team, obviously, because it was a lame duck team. And they managed to, well, okay, they got, they, they got bounced by the Nets in that second round. So they didn't give it much of a fight. But the fact that they even got to the second round, I think, was amazing for that 2002 team. And a lot of that had to do with uh, Nails coming in and giving them a scoring punch, especially missing 
uh, Jamal Mashburn, uh, yeah. who was injured early in those playoffs. So, so in a year where nobody was interested, everybody was angry as hell at the Hornets organization because they were about to leave. Jamal Mashburn is out with an injury, so that's just even more reason for the Hornets fans to be checked out. Here comes Lee Nalon, who was previously in Paul Silas's doghouse and couldn't get out of it because he just wasn't trying hard enough. He said, look, either I can go overseas have to go through the language barrier, which he said was kind of a problem for him being away from home and having to travel all over the place, or I could stay here, put in the work and actually become a contributor. That's exactly what he does. His second year with the Charlotte Hornets starts 41 games, shoots 48% from the field and becomes an offensive player that the Hornets could rely on in Jamal on a team Mashburn's that wasn't, absence. You know, if yeah. you remember those, those late teams were not very good on offense. So like, you know, you look at 10.8 and you go, that's mid as the kids say, but 10.8 <laughs> on a team that was only scoring 95 points on a good night is actually pretty damn good. Oh, no. And efficient too. And even, you know, when he got to the free throw line, he was hitting it. I've got all the love in the world. Nails. for line. Yes. Probably a little bit too much, but that's okay. I embrace it. I understand. Right. So far, just to just to recap, just to recap, Mm -hmm. our lineup right now of who wore it best is Arnoldus Kulboka, Kulboka, Chris Douglas Roberts at fifty five at fifty four. Didn't expect that. Lee Nalon. Um, without knowing who the players are in fifty two, I'm going to say we've got time to do one more. If you want, yeah, let's do one more, and then we'll be, and then we'll move on. We'll end. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) For those not watching on YouTube, you are missing out on our reaction after what we see. So we click on the arrow down to reveal the list of names to see who wore number fifty two, and the first name that pops up. Is Mr. Matt Geiger. The, the Geiger counter, baby. So it's funny because as, as much it is automatic, <laughs> especially for this show, this show is going to embrace him at every turn. And so as much as I gave my love to Lee Nalon, people like I probably overstated it during the top 30 Hornets list that I did as soon as I hopped on the podcast four years ago when I made him a part of the top 30 Hornets of all time people love Matt Geiger but then I managed to turn people against him when I put him up way too high on the list even admittedly thinking people loved the character and all of that from him so yes Matt Geiger the other guys that were there uh, too. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna read them in a moment. I needed to. Uh, it's, it's like when you zoom in on Basketball Reference, it just gives you all kinds of issues on the visual. Mm-hmm. There we go. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the other names. I'll just read them off here. So okay. Geiger was 96 to 98 in the number 52. Chucky Brown 99 to 2000. Todd Fuller 2000. I think he did it. Wasn't he? Wasn't Todd Fuller Indiana guy? Wasn't he? Uh, Mr. Go to maybe NC State. I know that. Oh, NC State. To, yeah. So maybe you're just getting the red. And I'm white. getting him confused with Kirk Haston. I think. Oh, uh, I think that's probably right. No, yeah. Todd Fuller was the Charlotte native. He was Charlotte yeah, Christian. Okay. Okay. I was about yeah. to say Golden I don't... State Warriors first round, eleventh pick in '96. Todd Fuller. Todd Fuller, the eleventh overall man. Yeah. Who would have thought? Five seasons in the NBA, two with Golden State, one with Utah. Then he spent that fourth season, 99 to 2000, in Charlotte and then finished up. I think he's coaching high. Miami. Yeah, so I think he's coaching high school basketball now. I think. I don't know. A lot of these guys. Yeah. I think Nails is uh, doing the same thing. I think Lee Nailon right. is coaching uh, high school basketball as well. Otis Thorpe in at 2001. At fun name. I mean, didn't do anything with Charlotte, but really fun name, I believe, Ooh. was a part of that a lot of trade. Jerseys. Yeah, um, went. Yeah, he was a part of the trade. I believe this is right. 
when he went from Houston to Portland in exchange for Clyde Drexler, and Drexler won that second championship with Hakeem Olajuwon, and so they mixed it up a little bit. But Otis Thorpe kind of bouncing around a few times. You know, dude, would you like this? Is this random? The, this, this is. I hope people enjoy this kind of thing from this kind oh, of I'm episode. I'm excited. I saw. Okay. So I just want. Uh, let me paint the picture for people not watching on YouTube. This is what's great about this. I get to see Doug's face. And I get to see him stumble upon a really nice Easter egg. And then I get excited based off of what his face told me he just came across with the anticipation. And I have no clue what it is. Please tell me, Doug. Well, it's Otis Thorpe's very first organization coming into the league. And mm. you'll never guess it. I'll give you a chance if you want to try to guess it. I don't think you'll ever guess it. His first, The, the first team that he played for, Otis Thorpe, in 1984 1985 and I'll, I'll reveal it because i got my screen share back the first team you ever played for i'm gonna go i i've is it the you gotta give me I'll, something obscure here because i'm kind of giving yeah. it away that you're never no gonna i know it. i know i know i'm thinking of kansas city and i'm trying to oh think my of god you is that right yes, genius. Okay. Look at i was gonna that. say kansas the kings. city yeah. kings yeah 1984 i'll give you the fanfare for that Otis Thorpe, his first organization was the 1984-85 Kansas City Kings that would then move to Sacramento. Then, he, So his his jersey, yeah, Woo, a lot of jerseys here. Kansas City Kings, then Sacramento Kings, Houston Rockets, Portland Trailblazers, Pistons, Pistons, Grizzlies, Kings, back to the Kings, Wizards, Miami Heat, and then finishing up in Charlotte. Finished his career, retired with the Charlotte Hornets in 2001. Otis Thorpe, but he doesn't win. It's Matt Geiger. Um we, we click on we, his page if you can. I will. I, I feel like stats. I don't want a short Matt Geiger, Matthew Allen Geiger. Apparently his uh, nickname was Muldoon. I hope that's not something like dirty or weird. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's I'll great. look it up. Um, Please do. Uh, but Matt Geiger, the guy I always called him the Geiger counter. It's that's not one of his listed nicknames, uh, but that's what I remember. Uh, obviously started in Miami uh, was a weirdly big part of the Philly uh run that they made without yeah. with like with that whole squad he played 50 games in 98 99 for philly but he played three seasons for charlotte uh and averaged um 11 points in his double first digits, season pretty much yeah nine yeah generally double digit off the bench uh eight rebounds five rebounds then almost seven rebounds in his third season uh block shots was good for a block shot good efficient scoring uh yeah matt geiger I think he's an auto. Now, the funny thing that we always used to do on the show was Matt Geiger facts. I I, I don't want to short these, so I feel like yeah. we need to lead the episode, the next make- episode, tomorrow's episode, when we're going to do more of these jersey numbers. We can lead them with Matt Geiger facts because I don't want to feel- shortchange my guy. Thank you, Matt Geiger. I feel all of that. I was thinking the same exact thing. Me and you, man. We've done this for a little while, and especially when it comes to Matt Geiger, we could not be more on the same page. Thanks for making Lockdown Hornets your first listen every single day. Tomorrow, we'll continue this project. We'll continue to look at some of the jersey numbers. And then on Friday, I believe David Walker is going to join us. We'll do a fun Friday. We'll do it live, but also we'll do every Hornets box score. So we'll take a look at a game that took place in 2019. So Recent even, history. Okay. Yeah. So right. you current Hornets fans will also, maybe if you just came aboard the last few seasons, you'll 2019 game if that's i think if i uh you know we'll look at it might be an 1819 game that would be this that weird season that borrego was helming uh what could have been a playoff team kimball walker was involved uh nick batum mkg a lot of the holdovers along with yeah. Devonte graham 
So it could be could be an interesting uh, walk down recent memory lane. Very much so. So make sure you check that out on Friday. But tomorrow we'll continue this journey and we'll lead it off with Matt Geiger facts of the day, <laughs> which you will not want to miss. For your second listen, get up to date on the latest news and rumors in the NBA in just 30 minutes every day with Locked On NBA. Locked On NBA, your daily NBA update in just 30 minutes. Thank you so much. This was a blast. We appreciate you hopping on with us and uh, have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.